0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another amazing episode of The Joy of Being for busy working moms and women in business and beyond who are seeking to unplug from their worries and overwhelm to light up with insight and joy. I, your host, mum, and effortless lifestyle coach, Marina Pearson, talk to transformational professionals, business owners, and creatives about what it really takes to have a business and life you can truly enjoy. And remember, you can find me on Instagram at Marina Pearson. Or my Facebook group, The Joy of Being. And if you would like a more personalized touch to live a stress free life, then why not find out more about The Joy of Being Retreat, an intimate four day profound experience at a luxury venue in Javier, Spain, where you get to experience your inner calm and peace of mind by slowing down and making space. To find out more, email me at marina at with Joy of Being Retreat in the title. So today, I get to interview Jody Utter. She's a freelance writer and creator of the blog Utter Imperfection. Her work has also been featured on Her View From Home, Perfection Pending, That's Inappropriate, Scary Mummy, Blunt Mums, Grown and Flown, and many more. Jody calls the Pacific Northwest home and ambles about its captivating forests and breathtaking, quite literally because of its brr bodies of water with her husband and two children. She's a little old trades by day and her favorite of which is writing. By night, she's a voracious reader and film con- connoisseur, seeker of laughter, avoider of kitchen duty and awkward dancer who can't stay awake past nine. Sounds very familiar. Jody works to connect pain to pain and struggle to struggle. So we'll feel less alone inside our stories and more at home in our hearts, minds and relationships. You can connect with her on her blog, Utter Imperfection on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. And I was, uh, I was put Jodie's way, or Jodie was put my way. I was out of this patron who was in a few episodes back, and she. And Liz raved about Jodie, so I decided, okay, fair enough, I will go ahead and interview her and see where we get to. And it was a beautiful surprise because we talked about her journey of infidelity and how she decided to not break the relationship and move forward with her husband to heal it instead. So we call this one infidelity as a gift because often we think that it's not, but we can see it as a way to create more joy in our lives or we can see it as a way not to and so her story was really in line with this podcast now this is the first of relationships really so next year I'm planning to do quite a few more of them but Jodie's honesty um, the honesty of the conversation and where we took it was really quite awe-inspiring so If you know of anybody or you're experiencing this yourself where you've actually um, experienced infidelity or you're going through it right now, you're going through a divorce or anything that is difficult in your relationships, then this is going to be a great episode for you to listen to. So, join you on the other side. So welcome Jody. I'm really excited to have you here today as I am with all of my guests. But I guess that's why they're all they, they all come onto the podcast. Um, and you know a place I'd love to start is you know what got you interested in your subject because obviously you you blog about relationships and you know relationships is a really big deal for all of us I think. Um especially when we are stressed and overwhelmed and we're wanting to make things happen and you know our relationships can take a real backseat. so I'm curious about your story around it. Well
1: my relationship with my husband um, just didn't end up being what I thought it would be and I don't know that it ever happens that way for any of us when we step up to the altar and say the vows we have something in mind and I don't know that it ever goes that way. And for us, um, it didn't, it didn't, 20 years into our marriage, I found out that my husband had been unfaithful to me a few years prior and everything imploded at that point. My immediate inclination in hearing his story and what happened and um, how he chose to handle himself after, I knew I would stay with him and I never questioned that for even one second. Um, that's our personal story. And what I did question though, was how, how am I going to stay? Because it's unthinkable. It's unthinkable to stay with somebody after they betray you um, by having an affair with another person. But it wasn't for me. It wasn't unthinkable. I knew it from the start that that's what I was going to do. But at the same time, I'm a strong, independent woman who believes that I'm worthy of uh, protected love. And So it was a jumble of how do I do this? I know I'm going to do it, but how do I do this? And about a year into my healing process, I read a book called Love Warrior by Glennon Doyle. Melton was the name on the byline at the time. And our stories didn't twin exactly, but there was enough sameness in her story and in mine that I recognized my story inside hers. And just just knowing, okay, I'm not the only one that went through this just gave me this courage and emboldened me to, to start to move through it. And I knew how to do it after reading that book. I literally put the book down, got up out of the chair and started writing. And that's how I finished the process of healing. And a unique part of the story is that our um, difficulties in our marriage, my husband's affair were made public in our Um, local community. He was a public employee, and the story of his affair was hand-fed to to our local media. And we have two teenagers. And so that was devastating, um, because there's no way we could protect them from that knowledge. And we definitely would have, had we had the choice. Um, But what seemed like a curse at the beginning of having our whole story um, broadcast on uh, public radio, newspaper, television, Facebook... Um, turned into a blessing really fast because I realized I'm not silenced in this. And I don't think I could have healed from it if I had felt silenced. You know, So many people that are betrayed feel silenced because they have children or because they feel like they need to protect their spouse. This is private information. And if they're going to heal, if they're going to try to make it through, then of course, they're not going to talk about this to anybody. I mean, there's so many reasons why women are silenced, men too. And I didn't have that. And it turned out to be a huge blessing um so that's my subject matter in large part and that's how it came to be
0: yeah well it takes a stop Uh, you know what i really had in that was that you just really trusted your your intuition there was a knowing that this is something that you wanted to move through and move forward with so often we can throw that to one side and go right you are that you did this therefore I'm not doing that anymore. Like I'm not going to carry on in the relationship anymore. But what I've seen, you know, I've, this hasn't been the first time that I've, I've heard someone say that. And I've, um, I mean, I've been, I've, I've, I've experienced infidelity both ways where I've been cheated on or I've cheated. And there was always a moment where there is this crux where you go, you know what? I, I, we have a decision to make, we either say no or we say yes. And when we say yes, then the moving forward part has to be, it, it just, we have to be on the same page in a way, right? Like the, mm-hmm. we exactly. we both, but there is a process to go through, just as there's a process to go through when you're not working on it together. There's a process to go through when you're working it together. And I'm, um, so I'm curious, you know, what did you learn in the process? Like, what did you learn about yourself? What have you learned about relationships in the process? Um, Because I think infidelity is one of those big taboo subjects, but also, um, you know, the usual way of handling it is you're an asshole. You're a bastard. Um, Get out. I'm going to, you know, get rid of you, whatever it might be. Um, So I'm curious. (laughs) Yeah, it felt, um,
1: finding out about my husband's affair, actually, it actually, I actually felt like it was going to kill me. I had that sensation in my body. Mm. When he first told me, my heart revved to a pace where I was like, I can't sustain this. This is it. I'm going to die. This is going to be a heart attack right here. And I've had a couple other near-death experiences, actual ones. I was in a fire in a tent when I was um, a teenager at a family reunion, and um, we barely got out in time. And I was in the hospital for a week after that, recovering from smoke inhalation and burns. And and then when I had my daughter a couple of months early, I had a vagal nerve response, and I um, um there was a stat call for epinephrine to sh- jam into my leg and bring me back. But I felt um, I felt my eyes close, and I felt myself drift away from consciousness. And so those two instances were probably way more actually near death. But it was the affair and finding out about it that felt inside my body like this is it. I can't sustain this and. But at the same time, I had this immediate immediate sensation, not only of knowing that I would stay, but I had this flashback of our whole entire relationship, and I saw everywhere I had gone wrong. And this is not a popular thing to talk about. I've found when I write this in my articles, in my blog posts, women are so quick to jump on the bandwagon and tell me I'm so wrong. It's not my fault. I shouldn't blame myself. How sad. And um, just that I'm on the wrong path of thinking. And I've quickly realized that's their story. It's not mine um, when they respond that way, because that's how I responded. And, so, yeah, he broke our vows, but so did I because one of those was to cherish him. And a few years into our marriage, I just stopped. It was it was hard. It was not what I thought it would be. I was a stay-at-home mom, and that comes with uh, joys but also pitfalls, and you lose yourself in it sometimes. And he had this um, just forward motion career in law enforcement, which – is so hard on families so it was sort of a perfect storm in our relationship and we were young we were 22 and 23 when we got married and um, all of these things just sort of combined to um, put us on the wrong path in our marriage and you know you mentioned a, a bit ago about how to move forward from infidelity it takes being on the same page and absolutely it does and I look back and you know Beyond the first year of marriage, which I thought was wonderful, and I remember people telling us all the time, "Oh, the first year is the hardest. It's going to be so hard, it's so challenging." I loved it. It felt like playing house. I felt like I was a grown up. I was on my own. We were making decisions. This is great. It's just us and the world. And and then after that, after that first year, I just felt like we never were on the same page. We never put each other first. Um, and and if we recognized that we weren't putting each other first, we never really. You regrouped and doubled back and did it. It just was, oh, we're not. And, you know, we tried and um, let's see, maybe 13, I don't know, 15 years in, a couple of years before the affair anyway, I knew we were broken. I knew we needed help to move forward. And every time I asked my husband for that, he said, no, I think there's a huge resistance, especially for men for going to couples counseling. And I understand it. Going to counseling is not fun. Every time I drive there, I'm like, oh, I don't want (laughs) to (laughs) go. This again. But every time I leave, I'm like, I'm oh, so glad I went. It's just so great. We need that person to bounce ourselves off of. And we need to hear a different perspective, a different viewpoint. We need to hear, this is normal. And here's a, a couple suggestions on what you can do and try this and try that. And cannot get that from ourselves or from our spouse when we're the two creating the problems. And he always said no, but he always said, "I know where I'm going wrong. This is my fault. I will fix it. I'll do better." And he meant it, and I knew that, but he never did because we just didn't have the tools. And so I withdrew even further, and I literally stopped respecting him, stopped cherishing him, stopped being intimate with him. Stopped. We were roommates. You know, you hear that a lot. It sounds so cliche, but it we were. We just passed in the hallways and shared some duties to the best of our extent because he was gone so much of the time with his career in law enforcement. And that's just, I I remember thinking in my head, well, this is not the marriage that I hope for, but I'm not going to break up my family. I'll never do that because I came from a broken home. I wanted better for my own children. And I just resigned myself to a life of this. And I thought, you know, you know, when the children are gone, if it's still like this, okay, we'll see what needs to happen if if we're going to stay together or if we're not. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't something that the kids were having to live through and would affect them in a diverse way. It wasn't outwardly bad. I don't think our kids would have ever even known or realized that our marriage wasn't what we had hoped it was. But his response to me, leaving him in all ways but physically being there in the house with him was to go and seek all those things somewhere else. And that was devastating to find out about that because I personally never would have made that choice and learning to never say never. So maybe that sounds arrogant, but I don't think I would have. And one of the hardest things to come, (sighs) Um, one of the hardest things to move forward, or one of the hardest obstacles to moving forward, was trying to understand how could he have done this. I never would have done this, and we worked a long time on that very one specific thing. How could you have done this? And you know, he explained it over and over again, and I, I, I came to understand. And and then I had that immediate understanding, like I said, of my own of everywhere I went wrong. And you know, people want to say, well, cheating's worst. Cheating's the ultimate betrayal. Cheating's the deal breaker i don't know if that's true
0: yeah you know um i heard so much in what you just said but I, I i kind of wanted to backtrack to when you first started talking about this which was where you went wrong and what i heard was that there's a difference between beating yourself up about something and taking yourself and taking responsibility for your actions like i think it's they're, they're very different. So you can be, uh, you can beat yourself up about something that you've done over and over and over again, but you can also take responsibility to go, right. You know what? I fess up. I, you know, part of this was me mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to take responsibility for my part in this. Cause it's not just a one-sided thing. Um, and so there is a big difference between blaming yourself and then taking responsibility. Right.
1: Yes, you put that into such nice words and I don't know that I've ever been that eloquent about it, but exactly. That is exactly what happened in my brain. I've never blamed myself for one second. I've never felt like I'm not thin enough or pretty enough or young enough or I have too many wrinkles. I've never felt like it was anything to do with me. It had everything to do with my behavior and how I treated my husband. And I don't think affairs happen in a vacuum. I suppose there are instances of serial cheaters or people that are prone to do that that are just going to do that no matter what. I'm sure there's a handful of those in the world. But I think in most instances it happens because there's a breakdown in the marriage and the relationship and people's needs aren't getting met. They can't find a way to meet them for each other. And we, we're human beings. We have needs and we can't ignore them. We can try, but it doesn't work for very long and people feel led
0: to meet those needs elsewhere. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, when you were talking about how could you have done this? You now, over the years, I've got to see that we all live in our own separate realities. I'm never going to have the same level of consciousness as someone else. Like being given the same circumstances, that person, every, you know, some people might do the same thing, um, other people might do something completely different. 'Cause their their level of, you know, their thinking which creates the habit is totally different from mine. I don't know, let's just say for an example, you've got marriage breaking down, one of you might withdraw, the other one might want to reach out. Well, it's interesting to me that you're both feeling that the some the circumstance, right? But at the same time you're both acting very differently in it. And I guess the same thing is as the reaction or the or has the um what's the word I'm looking for? I guess when you want to act out, I guess that's the word I was looking for. Two words, in fact, acting out, right? Something's not quite right. I'm just acting out. Some of us do this by shouting. Others do it by going by boy withdrawing. That's an acting out, but it's kind of doesn't look like it's an acting out. Some of us, um, drink, some of us smoke, some of us watch porn, some of us, you know, and it, and it all comes down to the habit of thinking that we have, I think, from what I've seen. So like when I was, when I, when I cheated, um, all those years ago, 14 years ago now, um, I, I reflected on, on, on it. And what I realized is that now, now I would never do it. Like I wouldn't do it. Um, because it wouldn't make sense to me anymore to do that. You mm-hmm. know, I would either break the relationship off or, or attempt other ways to to recreate the thing that, you know, to do something about the relationship, but, um, it doesn't even occur to me to do that anymore. So suddenly, it was the sense of like, well, why not? Why wouldn't it occur to me? Like back then, it would have done. It just doesn't make sense. Like I don't know. I'm sure there are things that you made sense to you at some point. I don't know um, that you used to do. That doesn't make sense to you to do that anymore. Like I don't know. I used to club go clubbing a lot and <laughs> drink a you. lot. Good job. Yeah, good job. <laughs> but that makes absolutely no sense to me anymore. Mm, right. Like, I just want to be in bed by nine o'clock with my slippers and hot cocoa. <laughs> yes.
1: It sounds like my best life too.
0: But yeah, are there, are there things that now wouldn't make no sense to you for you to do anymore than they used to back then? Are there things? Yeah. So in, in the relationship specifically? Could be. Uh, could be a relationship, could be ways of being like that you don't do anymore because they just make no sense to you. What comes to mind, um, is the way we would
1: argue. And, you know, that's one of the predictors of whether a relationship is going to survive or not. It's not what you argue about. It's how you do it. And man, we would, um, just make those go on and on and on. And, um, the the tenant to, you know, don't let the sun go down on your anger. That has never worked for me. I take this scarlet O'Hare approach and I have to think about that all tomorrow because I just get um too wrapped up in my head and too angry in the heat of the moment. And my husband was always the opposite. He always wanted to um get right in my face and hey, let's work this out now and we can't go to sleep. We have to I can't because he couldn't sleep if we didn't work it out. I couldn't sleep if we were gonna try to work it out. He needed that breather and that took years. And we had fights about that, about how we were going to fight. And it took years to come to the other side of that. And he finally, it was a trust issue. He he finally understood, oh, she will work this out with me every time. But she needs time and space before she's able to do that. And so he could start to wait till the next day. And and then we got better at that. Um, but even, you know, just anything I was mad about, I'd be mad about it for days and, over the years, gosh, how hard is that on a relationship to have a spouse that, um, the other one was worried, ah, geez, here we go again. Like we can't just, you know, have a disagreement, get past it. This is going to be a three day thing. And just this week we had about a three minute argument and I was so happy after that three minutes for days, because I'm like, look at us. We have gone from three day arguments to three minute arguments that's some amazing, amazing accomplishments right there. Yeah, there's a lot. Like I said, I um, had that flashback of everything that I did that I shouldn't have done. And you know, one of the best things out of um, couples counseling that we got, you know, when my husband told me he'd had an affair, and I said, "Well, you know, we're going to have to do to couples counseling," and he understood that. He knew that we weren't going to get past this without that help and you know she she says oh absolutely we're going to talk about this trauma because i can see that you are in the middle of a trauma in a crisis and that's what we're going to address we're going to work through it but after a few weeks we're also going to go backwards and we're going to talk about your families and your family dynamic and what you each brought to the table and you know my eyes roll back into my head i don't want to do that that's just a lot and but you have to it's so important because we bring these things to our marriages that we don't even realize we bring and one of the things i brought and i didn't even realize it for 20 years until our counselor said it to us was that I behaved like a single parent in our relationship because that's all I ever had modeled to me. My parents um, got together in high school and that relationship didn't last long. They divorced when I was two. And then my mom dated and remarried uh, three more times. And So there were different men in and out of our household and none of whom I bonded with, none of whom were a good relationship for my mom until finally the man she's married to now, they've been married for 20 years. Um, So he's grandpa to my kids. They don't know any different and he's a great guy and I get along with him just fine. But um, all I ever saw really because I just discount all those men that came through was my mom working two or three jobs to pay the bills to support me. Um, And she did everything. There was nothing that she didn't do because it was mostly just her doing it. And that's all I ever saw. And I combined that with my, the only dream I can ever remember having for the majority of my life until the last couple of years was to have a family and to keep it together. And that was super important to me. And when you combine that, only seeing one person do everything in a household and then you have a family and you have a partner, I never saw the need or the way to bring him into everything. And then when you add a law enforcement career on top of that and he's not around much anyway, it just sort of gives to that. Mm. And So when he comes home, you know, he's coming home to eat, to sleep and, you know, commingle with us just a little bit. But still everything is really my responsibility because who's going to do it if I don't do it? And so it was just a pretzel mess as far as conducting myself any other way. But when she said that, I said, oh, yeah, I did. I took on every role in the household, even started mowing the grass, (laughs) even, even some of the outside projects, and I did it with love in my heart for a very long time because of how demanding his career was and how much it took out of him and When he was home, I wanted him with us i didn 't want him mowing the grass or doing chores i didn 't want any help with that because I was home all day anyway, taking care of the kids. What I wanted was him and you know law enforcement takes so much out of a person there 's not a lot to, left to give um, when they do get home and so after a while, I started to resent, I'm doing all of this so that we can have this great time when you're home with me and home with the kids and we weren't getting that great time. And, and it just turned into just a giant ball of resentment all the way around. Um, and when she said to me, you know, you're behaving like a single mom and you don't need to... I just felt crushed, like, why did I do that? And I realized it's, you know, it's what she said. It's it's what we bring to the table in a relationship because of what we saw and how we were raised. And then I just felt so bad. I just didn't give him the chance to to contribute, you know, 50, 40, 30%, whatever percentage was going to work, you know, well in our household and make it hum. I never gave him the chance. I just did everything happily at first, but then ended up resenting it. Um, so much so that it morphed into me pulling away and and you know leaving him mentally and emotionally, like I talked about, so i don 't do that anymore. We have a very different division of labor these days, but we put a lot of work into that and one of the best things our counselor had us do is she had us list out our uh, responsibilities in our home and in our in our family, and I had you know, daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis, everything that we're responsible for that we do. And I had, I think, three pages, notebook paper, front and back list of lists. He had like half of one page. (laughs) And it sounds funny, but you know, he is our um, breadwinner. He is the one out there making the salary that we live on. And so, yeah, it's not going to be 50-50, but I think his eyes just went bing, you know, open so wide when he saw my list because he just doesn't realize everything that goes on to run a household and raise little kids into bigs. And so we took those lists and we're like, okay, this has to change, obviously, because I can't keep conducting myself like a single parent since I'm not one. And that just does you a disservice too. It takes away any chance that you have to engage and, and be part of what's going on here. So we do that very differently today.
0: Yeah. And you know, what I love about the story is the fact that you actually both had insights into one each, in, in, to, into each other's world, right? So it was very much around, hey, this is what I'm up to at home. You probably don't know about this because I don't really tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right? Mundane. Yeah. He, he always would come home and say, tell me
1: about your day. And I'm like, Ugh, what's to tell? I mean, yeah, I wiped yeah. counters and I changed diet. What's to tell? Like, <laughs> But he really, really wanted to know. He really did. And I would never tell him because it seemed so mundane and monotonous to me. And you know, one of the things that came up in counseling too was we never talked. And that was my fault too. He tried. He really did. I just didn't think I had anything to talk about. You know, That's when I talked about you lose yourself as a stay-at-home mom. You think, I really want to do this and you have a lot of good reasons why but you do you lose yourself in it it's it's
0: lonely days raising little kids in a house it's difficult especially if the other person doesn't have that same reality as you in terms of like what you're up to what they're up to yes you can have common ground because it's the children but i don't know about you but certainly <laughs> it's like what did you do i breastfed yeah. What else? That's it. Pretty much, you know, or I just like change some diapers. Anything else? No, I'm so tired. <laughs> Leave me alone. I want to go to bed. I want to sleep. Right. right? right. Yeah. So, um, but what I had in what you said, and I want to kind of go back to what you were talking about regarding the, the arguments I just want to honor that. Like just say, wow, that's amazing. How far you've both come, but how beautiful that you have that clarity, uh, Around not staying in it, and uh, yeah, I remember my ex-husband and I were not together anymore, but we're actually much better off now. We're, we're really good friends, and we have a great relationship. When we were in the midst of this, sort of, do we stay together? Do we not? One of the things that I I heard, and I just thought it was so beautiful, was when mum, well, there was a couple of things I heard. The first thing I heard was when you want to protect your own reality, that's when it really. <laughs> doesn't work. Right. It's like, I'm protecting my own reality you're wrong. I'm right. Right. Mm, mm -hmm. And then the guy we were speaking to said, you know, and then I decided to sit down like as if they were, they were dancing the tango. Right. So I, it's Mm. me, it's you, it's me, it's you. And then he decided to sit down. And I love that analogy because what I heard in that is that when, when someone just sits down and isn't prepared to protect their reality anymore, the energy has nowhere else to go. It's like, well, why don't you argue with me? What's wrong? Like, come on, argue. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, not going to go there. It's not going to go there. It it doesn't work. (laughs) Why do something over and over again that doesn't work? Like that makes no sense to me. What I've found over years in the last, in the last years through all of my experiences with relationships is that what does work is to talk about stuff when you're actually in connection, when you're connected, when you're actually both grounded. When you're both in that, in, in that true self, that beautiful feeling, you know, that calmness as opposed to, that's what,
1: yeah, that's what counseling did for us. We somehow sitting on that couch and having that, you know, triangle, that third person uh, to ping off of put us in that space every time. And I remember when I first sat down on the very first day, she said, on average, it takes couples about two years to work through. Uh, the betrayal of an affair. And I just, I wanted to leave. I was like two years of how I'm feeling right now today. I can't do it. There's just no way I cannot feel like this and um, have this um, turmoil inside of me for two years. And I didn't leave. (laughs) I stayed on the couch, but we finished up counseling in in less than a year. And she said, I think you're one of the fastest couples I've ever seen. And she goes, and, and what? And she had remarked before this, but she reminded us that when we would come into our office, we would sit. We, there's this huge couch that we could sit on, but we sat right next to each other. Our legs were touching and we'd hold hands the whole time. And she says, That when you did that the very first day, she said, I knew that you guys were going to be okay on that very first session because people don't do that. They come in and they sit on opposite ends of the couch or one will stand against the wall. They They don't want any proximity to each other. They're that far gone. And it was something about, Having that, you know, that safe space, those four walls and that person that was there dedicated to helping us, um, not on either side, but for us as a couple that just put us in that space of, okay, we're going to talk about some really hard things and it's not going to be fun to hear them, but um, we never heard each other in that space. That space was only ever about healing and moving forward.
0: I love how you put it, you know, that space was for healing and, and how beautiful would it be if we saw that, if we could actually have difficult conversations in a place of healing, space of healing and see it just like that and see that we are human. Um, And, and know that we all have patterns of thinking that don't actually, that are not very helpful. Actually, all of us have them, you know, Regardless of the area of our life, we've all got some weird doofy doof thinking that creates <laughs> a behavior that's a bit strange for someone else. But to yeah. us, it's totally normal. It's like, whatever. I'm just, yeah. you know, sitting here picking my nose and scratching my <laughs> bottom. It's like a perfectly normal thing for me to do, right? Um, but to somebody else, it's just like, oh my God, no. Um, right. Yeah. Like sitting on a toilet,
1: public toilet seat. I have no qualms sitting on a public right. toilet seat and so I know a million people that won't do it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've traveled in India for a bit, so I actually have no problems in doing that. Um, but yeah, so it, it comes back to everything we think about. And so from what I've heard you say is like getting into that place of connection and being able to talk about the difficult things makes it so much easier. And there was real wisdom in a way, Dodie, when I heard you say earlier on, it's just like, I can't talk to you right now. I'm too angry. There's wisdom in that. I remember judging my ex-husband about that because he would be like, no, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm going off. And I thought, oh my God, he's so emotionally unavailable. Mm-hmm. But I spoke to someone about it, and they're like, "No, it just sounds like he's being really wise. He doesn't want to talk to you while you're rampant." Mm-hmm. Like, actually, that's a really good point. Nothing good comes of that. No, no, and that's one of the
1: things I've written about. I, I surveyed, you know, the 22 years of our marriage, and the only thing I ever got by leading with anger or matching anger to anger, frustration, frustration was more of that. Yeah, and. <laughs> in reading Brene Brown, she talks about leaning in with love, even when you don't want to, even when it's hard. And that speaks to what you were talking about, about just sitting down because that is what gets you more of what you want. The sitting down, the leaning in with love is what lays the groundwork for more love in return.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, what came to mind when you were talking was this, like, you know, my ex and I... Um, he lives in the States now and we're doing one month off one month on with our son. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty open. Like I, I have no problem with it, but one thing that we weren't agreeing on and it would just bring, it would just, we were, we were protecting our own realities at that point, which was, I want to educate him in the States. That was Mm. it. There was no, there was no openness to anything else. And I'm like, well, no, you're not going to, you're not going to do that. I'm going to do it here. I'm going to take you to court for that. (laughs) <laughs> right mm-hmm. that was the mm-hmm. dynamic we were in, and then he had an insight, and the insight was oh if i don't want him, if i, if I don 't want to be without him, then his mother would probably not want to be without him mm-hmm. that 's not the best thing for him so what happened then was that when we came back to that same conversation, something new opened up, which is we actually collaborated in creating something new, so now we 've agreed that our little one leo. We'll go to school here for a term. Then he'll go to the States for a term and then he'll come back here for a term. And I'm totally down with that because now I can see it as collaboration. I don't see it as, I, this is what I want. And then I'm like, no, this is what I want, right? That, that doesn't get us anywhere. <laughs> right. There was an openness and a connection to create something new that hadn't even occurred to us. That's what's possible, and that really excites me. And what I'm hearing you say is the same thing. Like, from three days of arguments to three minutes—that's amazing, Jodie. Like, you should be patting yourself on the back for that um, and, and celebrating because that's enormously helpful and incredible that you guys have managed to achieve that.
1: Yeah. We did pat ourselves on the back. We laughed at the end of that three minutes. We kissed, we (laughs) giggled. We were like, look at us. We are amazing. Our own biggest fans right now.
0: Well, isn't that so refreshing?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you know, our, something I'm super conscious of right now is you know, back to what you were saying about how, you know, to move forward from something like this, it takes both people all in on the same page. And it does. And our marriage actually did not survive. And that is a really good thing because that marriage was not working. And that marriage was not sustainable. We had to start a brand new marriage, but it wasn't just brand new. We did bring with it all the good things and all the history that we were proud of and that we cherished and that was important to us and the things that did work. So brand new, but with some sprinklings of, of the good stuff from the past.
0: I love that. You know, it's funny. I was having that same conversation with a friend of mine the other day. Um, And what I, what we spoke about was that you can have a thousand deaths in relationships, like the dying of that old relationship because the dynamic is no longer the same. And what I heard and what you also said was that it was an opportunity for both of you to create something totally new, that in fact, the affair, what it did was highlight wasn't, what wasn't working. And you both had the courage to go, well, it's not working. The outcome of that was the affair, but it wasn't the reason that it wasn't working. It's the outcome of the fact that things aren't really working for us. So we could have had millions of outcomes. That's the one I chose, fine. But actually, let's backtrack. Let's actually course correct. Let's see what can work. And I love that you did that, you know, I love that you did that and obviously that's my opinion and anyone listening in may may say, well, no, that's not, I, I'm not happy she did that. Whatever. Point being is, is I, it's just very courageous what you did to go, right, Let's course correct. Let's take this in a totally different direction. What's possible, right?
1: I lost you there. I lost you just after you said what you did was very courageous.
0: Well, let's just leave it at that.
1: <laughs> you know, I uh I've gotten a lot of that um feedback that I'm brave and courageous and I what I've come to determine is that brave and courageous people don't feel brave and courageous. I don't know what that feels like. And I don't think it's something that we can recognize in ourselves. I think it's only something that other people can recognize in us and then spout back to us, "Hey, you are brave, you are courageous." Because I anybody that I've ever called brave and courageous says the same thing. They don't feel it. They're like, "Why why do you think that?" And just recently I heard and maybe everybody already knows this, but I heard a definition of courage that it cemented it in my brain to me, that courage is being afraid and uncertain and doing it anyway. And then I do own that. I do own that I am courageous because like I said, I knew I was going to stay, but I didn't know how I was going to stay. But I just did it anyway until I finally did know how I was going to stay.
0: Yeah. And there's, there's the, uh, the one I've heard, which is all of that. And 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 you having peed in your pants while doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Great. And I don't know, you know, whether you did or not, but that but that's beside the point. I guess it just you just knew. You just knew it was something that you wanted to do and you wanted to work through it. Cause I guess what I've seen too is that you know, patterns of behavior don't just go away unless they're challenged unless they're questioned unless they are be unless you're made aware of them and so it's quite easy for us to go no I don't want that I'm going into the next relationship and then finding that that somehow there's something wrong with that relationship and mm-hmm. then go into the next one and the next one and until maybe you suddenly realize which you, what you did right at from the outset is no there's something here that I'm doing too. That's not making this work. Right. And in addition to flashing back and, and being fully
1: aware of everywhere I went wrong, I flashed forward because I've lived through divorce, several of them. And I know exactly what was going to happen. If Eric and I didn't make it, there's going to be a whole set of problems related to separation and divorce and separated families and new blended families. And I didn't want that. I not that there's anything wrong with it. I think people can find what they were meant to be a part of. It can be a beautiful thing. It can need to happen for some people, but not for me. Because I lived it growing up and my it, it altered the entire course of my life. And I often wonder, who would I be today if I didn't have to live through the things that I had to live through? And it's just been my number one goal, as long as I can remember, to protect my children from that. And I also saw that, you know, I could respond with this love that it just welled up from nowhere to him and his confession and and the current state of our relationship. Or I could hate and it it was I could see that it was going to be a very fine line. And with our personalities, we're both very explosive. We're both very stubborn, headstrong. If we either one of us had chosen hate, we would have imploded. There's There would have been no coming back from that for us. And love was the only option. And I'm so glad that's what I felt intuitively because the other way just would have been a nightmare.
0: Yeah, there's real wisdom on what you just said. It's certainly been my experience. And... I think love is the answer regardless.
1: And I fear I make it sound easy. I've been wondering about that, about what I write lately. Because it's hard, you know, in a blog post in you know, 900 to 1,000 words, it's, you can only tell such a small part of the story. I know I need to write a book to get the whole thing in there. But none of it was easy. Not one day of it. And that's why I write, because I, I know of all all the women and all the men that are living through this circumstance right now. And I know what they're going through and I know that they don't feel like there's any way to move forward, that they don't know how and they can't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And maybe their spouse isn't willing to get counseling and then they really can't talk about it. And so I write for all of them and, and hope that they can find my word somehow out there in the universe. Just to let them know I kind of lost my train of thought there, and what I was, what I was going for.
0: Well, writing gives the very thing that they don't feel that they can talk about—a voice—and that can be extremely helpful because it's like me too. I've been through that, and I'm not the only one,
1: right? And so I started. I remember now of fearing that I make it sound easy, and that's. Because if if someone reads my story and is like, oh, she makes it sound so easy that's not easy for me, I'm not going to be able to... No, that's not my point at all. It was hard, hard, hard work. And you mentioned if you don't do it in this relationship, you're going to do it in the next one. And I, I majored in psychology in college. And that's something that's always rattled in the back of my brain is why would we expect our next relationship to be any better? We're bringing ourselves to it.
0: I know, and, right?
1: <laughs> and so if we don't do that work with the person that we're already in a relationship with, we're not doing any service to anybody that we're going to have a relationship with in the future. And it didn't make any sense to me to just kick my husband to the curb because of his actions and say, forget it. We're done. Not even going to try and then start all over again with somebody new. They could end up doing the exact same thing with my spouse. At least I have the chance to work through it to talk about the cause and the effect and how we're going to behave differently and the choices that we're going to make going going forward. And that sounded like a way better option and like way better odds of being successful in that scenario than taking my same self to a new relationship with a brand new person that could do the same thing.
0: But that's why I said it takes awareness, you know, there's, um, it takes awareness and, encouraged to do that, like to have the awareness that, Oh, I'm, it's me. Mm -hmm. I'm in this relationship too. (laughs) (laughs) It's not just the other person. Hello. Um, and while, yes, you can, you can, you can shift a lot of things when you go through the breakup and, and move forward and still work on yourself, work on yourself, but you can still see new things and have insights. Um, without the other person, that is true, and invite somebody new in that's slightly different or different. But if there isn't a sense of awareness and it it, it always seems that it's the other person, then I would invite anyone listening to that to sort of t- start taking a look and maybe even questioning it because, mm-hmm. as I said, it just takes two to create a dynamic and it only takes one to change it.
1: Mm-hmm. it- makes me think of a lot of of, of comments I see in response to what I write and what I put out there about infidelity is a deal breaker for me. I'd be gone. It's like, well, clearly you haven't been through infidelity then because I never thought about it even once. I never had a plan. I never thought I'll be gone or, well, it just never even occurred to me that it was something that could happen in our marriage. I never thought him capable of it. It never even crossed my mind. And so... I didn't have any preconceived notions of what I would do, which I, I think is another um, blessing. And when I hear people say that, my immediate thought is, well, you haven't been through it because when you've built a family with somebody, when you've spent half your life with them, I don't think it's possible to just say in the moment, oh, that's it. I'm done. Deal breaker. Bye. I, that's, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's just, it's people's off the cuff reaction to something that they haven't been through. I get it because it feels like it's the ultimate betrayal, the worst thing someone could do and and very hurtful and very hard to come back from. Not easy. So I get that that is their mindset. But I know that that won't be their mindset if they actually find themselves in that situation.
0: Yeah, and we never know what we're going to feel or think when we do come up with the situation. It's very easy, you know, a bit like before I was a mom, it's very easy for me to sit there and judge. Now that I am a mum, I kind of go, oh, (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh yeah, hmm, well, that's funny. I seem to be exhibiting the same kind of behavior that I was actually judging someone else for. Oh, well, maybe I didn't really, you know, I had this weird, innocent notion that I knew how I was going to be when it happened. And it was a bit like my ex-husband deciding that he didn't want to be in the relationship anymore that was the number one fear i had at the time and when it happened when he decided that that's, that was you know that was it uh i felt like relief and at the same time i felt scared mm. and then you know during the sort of six or seven weeks of very intense feelings because it took about Two or three months—well, about two months really—to just finally be done with it and move through and move forward. That that those two months were were days where I felt calm and at peace, and there were days that I just did not feel like that at all. Like it brought up Mm -hmm. all of my insecure thinking. Mm -hmm. But I could never, like looking back on that, I could never have told you what my experience was going to be like. Like, I would never have been able to have told you. I might have imagined what it might have been like. But when you're going through it, it's not what you thought it would be. It's not a blanket thing and saying, that's how I would be. No, no, no. We're human. So there are days it looks fucking hard. And there are days that it looks not so hard. And there are other days that it looks like kind of easy. And then there are other days that it just goes back to being really bloody hard again. Mm Mm-hmm that's just how thought does it It just kind of moves through and moves out again, like the clouds It just kind of comes in and comes out, comes in and comes out. And so, yeah, what I've got to see over the last few years is you just never know how you're going to feel when something happens. You just don't know. And so when people say, Oh yeah, I would do that. I'm like, I have no idea what I would do. I'm just going to have to wait and find <laughs> out. <laughs>
1: And don't you think those people that say that also don't have that sense of awareness about their role in that occurring? You know, if infidelity happened in my marriage, I'd be out. Well, wait a minute. What about what you've contributed to the marriage or what you haven't that might have set the marriage up for being susceptible to infidelity? Like, I feel like that's a big missing piece in people Mm. that are so sure of what they would do. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's a really great point actually. I hadn't thought about that. Um Yeah, I hadn't thought about it, but as you say, it's like I would never have done that. Why the hell did you do that? Like that you know that 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 yeah. sort of surely there are other ways of doing this. Surely there is us breaking up or you telling me you don't want to be in the marriage anymore or but why that? Like why take it to that point, right? <laughs> Right. You know, I was thinking a bit ago, and I'm glad this thought popped back into my head.
1: My my biggest wish for all relationships everywhere is that if somebody gets to that point, I'm going to cheat. Gosh, I wish they would just tell their spouse that or their partner that.
0: Mm.
1: What would happen in that moment? Maybe a lot of the things that would happen... If an affair actually had been conducted, um, because just knowing that a person is that close and, you know, I have this right here for me, I can go get it. I'm going to do it. And I wanted to tell you that because maybe we can save ourselves. Maybe I can not make this choice. Oh my gosh, I just, that would be my perfect scenario because, you know, relationships have, have existed forever and so is infidelity. And I'm not sure that's going to change. I want it to, but I'm not sure it will. But what if instead of actually doing it, we told our spouse, hey, this is where I am. This is what I'm about to do. Oh, it's kind of my dream. I know it's, it's ridiculous. It's not based in reality. It's not going to happen. But maybe, maybe it could if um, one person hears me say that, if one person, you know, thinks I'm going to do that. I'm not going to actually do the act. I'm going to go tell the person I love, the person I'm not, I might not love anymore, but I'm about to do this. This is where I'm at.
0: Well, it either takes courage to actually work through the marriage after, after they've done it, or it takes courage to tell them beforehand. So I don't know. It just takes courage. You've got the same amount of overthinking, insecure thinking that comes up and having to tell them, I'm assuming. That's not easy. But neither is working through the marriage after you've done it. So <laughs> you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, either way. But I think no. there is a bit of damage control in the, fir- in the former than there is in the latter, I, yeah, I kept thinking that when
1: we finally did, you know, make it to couples counseling, I just thought, oh my gosh, how much easier would this all have been if you had gone when I asked you to? Any of the times I asked you to, if you had just gone with me instead of being in here for a year or two years, maybe it would have been a month or two months, and every couple of years, a month or two months to, you know, set ourselves back on the path we want to be on, it would have been so much easier. And the hardest thing to work through w- was the PTSD effect of that. You know, infidelity is everywhere. It's in music. It's on TV shows. It's in memes. It's in um, pop culture. It's in comedian sets. It's We talk about infidelity all day long. And I never realized that until I was living it. And I never realized how immune I was to how often it comes up. And now I think every time that somebody cracks a joke about infidelity, I'm like, is that funny? What is funny about infidelity? Nothing. And think of all the people that have lived through it or are living through it. And I just, I I wish I could eradicate jokes on infidelity. And maybe I'll get there someday. um, But I'm not there yet. And there would just, there would be all these triggers and um, the triggers are something that felt they'd make you feel like you're right back in it like you hadn't made any progress at all in dealing with it and healing from it and you know my h- husband hang with hung with me through every single one of those and that's another way i knew that we were going to be okay because there were so many and you know sometimes you would say why are we talking about this again you know i've I've told you everything I have to tell you a lot of times, and I said, "Yeah, yeah," <laughs> and I need to do it once more. And um, and that just happens less and less these days. And you know, that's what I think of when I talk about how it's not easy. And I don't ever want to make it sound to someone like I think it is, or that I thought it was. Um, very conscious of the fact that it's a it's a daily thing until it's not anymore. And that's that's the other thing I want to convey is that someday this will not be the thing that you think about all day long and someday you'll be able to hear a joke on infidelity and it won't bring you to your knees and someday you'll be able to hear a song on the radio that you don't even have to switch off anymore because it just doesn't have that same effect anymore
0: you know i heard a um i heard a a thing a quote in the movie recently and it and they said if you don't think about it it doesn't exist and i'm like oh my Mm. god that's genius Mm mm-hmm Wow. Like it's so simple. And yet it was like, Oh my God. Yeah. That's so true. Like if you're not focusing on it, if you're not thinking about it, it doesn't exist. I was like, wow. Yes. Wow. Yes. I love,
1: that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. The only thing we have to control sometimes are our thoughts. And I, in the beginning, there was no way I could do that. They were controlling me. And you're exactly right today. If something pops into my head, something that that the, would have put me in bed for three days a couple of years ago, I can actually decide today, yeah, I'm not going to think about that. And I just move right on from it, but I couldn't always do that.
0: Well, you know, that's so, that's so beautiful and so pertinent because I think that, that it brings us back to why the arguments don't last for as long as they do because we're not so entrenched in our habitual thinking patterns once we shift and once we grow, it's impossible to go back to the way that we were before. And while we can still relive certain things, it doesn't last as long. It just can't. It's like, you know, your your, your sentient being, your consciousness has actually shifted. So while yes, you can go through it again and you can get the same feelings again, it doesn't last as long. It just can't. <laughs> so there is real value in being able to have insights and seeing through our own thought patterns and behaviors because it it makes just navigating relationships so much easier. And that's what I really hear in this conversation today. Is that exactly what you did? You just went, right, fuck it. Let's do this. (laughs) Let's put my big girl panties on and just, yeah, bring it on. Just like bring it on. And that's kind of what you've done and, and, and how you've moved forward with it through your writing to to help other people. And Jodie, so like one question I love to ask of of my guests is, what are you giving yourself permission to do more of these days?
1: It's been a goal of mine for a while to live with intent. And I don't know if I ever have. I feel like I'm reactionary and I don't want that anymore. I want to live with intent. And I don't know if I've inched any closer to that. Beyond realizing that I want to do it, but it's it floats around in my head uh, all the time, and it never did, and it does now. And so every day is a is a tiny little step towards living with intent, instead of being reactionary and reacting to what happens around me and um, the things people do to me or um, events I find myself living through. And I think that's what's bogged me down for so long as being reactionary and not being who I am in it, but reacting to it. Yes. With who I am, because what, how else would I be able to do it? But instead living with intent and uh, being who I am in the world. And then when these things happen to me, it's going to go down in a whole different way from now on because I am who I am. I'm being who I want to be thinking how I want to think. And um, I don't know if any of this is making sense. You can tell it's something I haven't really fleshed out into actual happening. It's just something I've been thinking about for the longest time. And you read all the time about well, it's so important to live with intent, state your intention. In a yoga class, state your intention. And I tell you I had not one time in any yoga class ever stated my intention because I could not get to that place. I could not I'm like, I don't have an intention. I'm just here doing yoga and that's what I'm working towards. That's
0: Well, it sounds to me like that was your intention to do yoga. <laughs> right? So I never and it was like, I'm here doing what I intend to do. That, that when yeah, they said that it was that sounds me. I to feel really like, like that's perfect. And your intent, yeah. thing is often we think, Oh, I can't but actually what I've heard throughout this entire conversation is you had an intent right from the outset with your husband to move through and move forward. Mm-hmm. Like when the clarity you had around that, that's an, that's an intent. That's like, yeah, I'm going to do this. And I'm sure there are many other examples of it in your life where you've just gone, nope, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. That's intent. Like that's just, that's just intent. Like, like maybe called something different. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm going to start calling it
1: intent because that's a goal of mine. And I haven't really um, figured out how to arrange my life around intent. But you're, you're right. I do it. And I just don't realize it. And, you know, from that first <laughs> moment of realizing I'm going to stay with this man, I'm going to do everything it takes. That was to, an intention. And I never, it's still hard to call it that because it's something that I felt in my very being that I could not have changed even if I had wanted to but I still like the idea of calling it intent. So I'm going to.
0: (laughs) Well, that's intent. What you've just described is
1: intent. (laughs) Okay. And so maybe I just have not understood it. Just the same thing as courage and bravery that I just had trouble understanding until I finally did. Maybe it's the same.
0: So more of intent and not even realizing you're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) So Jody, my love, if people want to uh, read your stuff, um, go to your blog, how can they do that? I am at utterimperfection.com. Beautiful name. Thank you. you. Well, for everybody that's been listening, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Until the next time. Bye-bye for now. And there you have it. Another wonderful episode of The Joy of Being. If you loved what you heard here today and it's been helpful, why not subscribe or share the podcast with others? And if you're curious as to how you can experience more joy in your life and feel carefree, then I invite you to download your joy catalyst scorecard at www.marinopearson.com scorecard, which will help you identify the joy gaps and what you can do to fill them. And remember, you can find me on Instagram at Marina Pearson or my Facebook group, The Joy of Being. So until next week's episode, remember you are the joy you seek.